You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. And right here for the Locked On LSU podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, LSU football picks up a pair of commits for 2022. We know where Eric Gilbert will be playing his college football in the future. But let's start with LSU basketball, which lost a heartbreaker Saturday at the PMAC against Texas Tech. And let's just be honest, LSU actually gagged away the game in the last minute. A game that LSU really was the better team for 59 minutes. They led by seven with a minute to play. And the sequence that unfolded was just incredible. Mac McClung hit a three for Texas Tech, his first field goal of the second half. Josh LeBlanc, with LSU leading by four, missed the front end of a one-and-one. Texas Tech would miss a shot, um, an offensive rebound by McClung, an uncontested three. Texas Tech is now within a point. Trendon Watford on the inbound, has the ball stolen, a layup by Texas Tech. The Red Raiders were in the lead. LSU would go down. Cam Thomas would miss, miss a shot. Trendon Watford would foul. Two more free throws. Now LSU's down by three. Another miss by Cam Thomas. Two more free throws with about a second left. And your final margin, 76-71. A 12-0 run by Texas Tech in the final minute of the ball game. That was an absolute collapse. There's no other way around it. There is the point that we could talk about certainly with this game. And then there's the big picture. With the game... Uh, Mac McClung scored 14 in the first half. You had to do better in the second half, and you did. You held him scoreless or without a field goal until the final minute where he hit two massive shots, but that's what great players do, and Mac McClung is certainly that for Texas Tech. Kudos to LSU defensively, which put the clamps on uh, a Texas Tech team where certainly LSU allowing 85 a game, you thought, or allowing, you know, about that a game, you hold Texas Tech to 76, you certainly felt like you'd be in the game with a chance to win it, and they were. LSU was largely the better team. Javante Smart matched his career high with 29 points and really liked what LSU did. Cam Thomas had 25, although he continues to struggle from the field, just 6 of 20 and 3 of 9 from 3 for Cam Thomas. So, all in all, this was a game where you were the better team, really, for the bulk of the game. And ultimately, you couldn't make the plays, winning plays down the stretch to get away with a win. And so there's the big picture element of this now as LSU is 11-5 and on the season. While that was not a conference loss, and LSU remains in a tie with Florida for second place in the league, but Florida with the head-to-head over LSU is a spot ahead uh, of LSU. That was not a conference loss, but that was an opportunity at a great net ranking, a uh, net uh, ranking win. Um, That would have been certainly a quad one win for LSU and a resume builder. And you look at what's ahead this week with a trip to Alabama and then a home game against Florida who already beat you. And it's easy to see how LSU could well end up on a three-game losing streak and loses a five of six. Now, we talked about at the beginning of the season how the schedule shaped out, how LSU had a light start and a light finish and the meat grinder was in the middle. Well, you're in that meat grinder, and it's not going well. Uh, we said that LSU really in this seven-game stretch, if they could go three and four, you know they'd end up with um, 12 wins in conference play, and that's going to be plenty good enough to get you in the tournament. And then you're looking at seeding beyond that. But this really wasn't a resume opportunity, and losing this game hurts because 
you really can't afford a bad loss to, without being able to counterbalance it with a quality win. And in the SEC, there just aren't that many opportunities ahead for quality wins. Bama's out there. You still get to play Tennessee. And I guess we can assume the SEC may try to reschedule the LSU-Missouri game, which could be an opportunity for a quality road win for the Tigers. But you let one get away at home in a, in a game where you were better for 59 minutes. And maybe what's even more disappointing is you lost Darius Days to a knee injury and you're unlikely to have him this week uh, against Alabama. And who knows what the foreseeable future will be. So, uh, Will Wade, after the game, talking about this loss. Obviously, very disappointing loss. I thought we played extremely hard. We just... We just didn't have some poise and some discipline that we needed in some key stretches, especially the last last minute or so. Um, just as disappointed as I've been all year. I thought we, we, we played well enough to win against a very good ball club, and you know we, we, we couldn't close it out. So very, very disappointing. You can certainly hear the disappointment from Will Wade because he knows what a golden opportunity got away from this team, not only a resume builder but a confidence builder going on the road to Alabama, and now it's the complete opposite as you feel like you're in a bit of a tailspin. And look, Wade reiterated that again in his conf- in his press conference, that he thought they were good enough to win the game. I thought we played well enough to win. Sometimes when we lose, I don't think we play very well, and you just kind of accept the result. But I thought today we played well enough to win. I thought the first half in particular, to only be up one or two at half, I think we were up one at half. I mean, I thought we should have been up seven or eight. We should have been up 10 or 12 at some point. We just, we just couldn't, and that's how they are, man. They're so good like that. They just hang and hang and hang and then, and then throw a punch at the end like that. And so I felt like we, we played well enough to win today. I don't always feel like that after we lose. I felt like we had prepared well and, and played well. and. And, you know, it's just very disappointing when you don't get the result you want. You know, there is another side to the coin, which is as disappointed as everyone is who's a Tiger fan who watched that game and watch how it transpired and you come up short. The reality is Texas Tech is a legitimate Sweet 16 Elite Eight type team. I mean, they're one of the best teams in college basketball. And not only did you go toe-to-toe with them, but you were really better than them for 50, you know, for, for 39 minutes in the game. So... I guess you can look at that as a as a building block, but it's much easier to sell that to your team when you're selling it coming off of a win. Now, um, Will Wade, uh, here he was on not being able to get the inbound in late in the game, which resulted in the turnover, the, the easy bucket by Tech, which gave them the lead. Our spacing went right and, and on the on the play. It's something that we've been working on because we've had some problems getting the ball inbounds all year in those type situations. So we put in a new set a couple weeks ago. We work on it quite a bit, and, and um, our spacing was just off. I'll have to go back and watch it on film. But what it looked like for me was we, we, were, we were on the wrong side and our spacing was off. You know, and if you go back and watch that inbound, as you have two players approaching Watford, you have two more that drift toward the basket that run backwards and had Watford kind of done the – you know, the, the Hail Mary down court, you maybe get an easy an easy bucket. Or, you know, if, if it comes to it to where it doesn't work out for you, they're not right under the basket. Now they've got to put together a, a half-court set, call timeout, whatever it may be, it's not turnover quick bucket, and now you're in a deficit. So you just hate to see how that all transpired. A lot of people are disappointed and criticizing Will Wade, and he deserves criticism. I mean, the way that last minute transpired is a direct reflection on on coaching and and your inability to make winning plays. And, you know, one of the things that I think is valid and worth mentioning is, you know, you've seen offensively this year, this team score a lot of points, but a lot of times it feels like a one-on-five type game. And while I'm not an X and O guy, what I do know is 
you know, Will Wade's had that guy on his staff, and that was Greg Heyer. And Greg Heyer, of course, is no longer on Will Wade's staff, and I think you're seeing some of that manifest. And, you know, I think you got to have that, that X and O guy there that can help with a lot of the scheming, and I don't know that LSU has that on the staff. I'm not saying that's directly why they lost this ball game, but it's certainly something Will Wade's going to have to address, and you hope that LSU can somehow find a way to put together a great game on Wednesday at Coleman Coliseum against an Alabama team which already routed you once, which is the class of the SEC, no doubt, uh, which just had its winning streak snapped on Saturday in non-conference play and now you know, returns home at a place where LSU's historically not played well there at Coleman. So a big opportunity for LSU on Wednesday, but it could equally go the other way. We'll certainly preview that game as we get closer to it. All right, it is the Locked on LSU podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts, it is free to sign up. And when you make your first deposit, mention the promo code Locked On, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. It is Super Bowl week. If you want to bet on the big game, if you want to bet any of the props, uh, the point spread, the total, it's all there for you. Live in-game betting as well is available at betonline.ag. So if you've been on the fence and you've always thought about maybe having a little fun, putting a little coin on the game, this is a great opportunity to do it here with the Super Bowl upon us. But, of course, you can bet on college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, futures, bets, fun props. It's all there at betonline.ag. It's safe, secure. It is the online betting site that I've used for 10 years now. Betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. When It's free to sign up, and when you go make your first deposit, make sure you enter the promo code Locked On to get your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So we're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network is covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Today, uh, LSU and Ed Ogeron are celebrating a pair of commitments over the weekend. Uh, Will Campbell, offensive lineman out of Neville, and Bo Bordelon, an offensive lineman out of Newman in the New Orleans area, are now commitments for the 2022 class. And boy, that class for 2022 is really starting to shape up just a couple of days before LSU polishes off the 2021 class. So that 2022 class now, when you include Campbell and Bordelon, a couple of offensive linemen, uh, now ranks fourth nationally, second in the SEC. Uh, Campbell is the second highest-rated prospect in this class behind only Walker Howard, a 6'6", Keep in mind, he's just finishing his high school junior year, 6'6", 285, the number 56 overall prospect in the country, the sixth-best offensive lineman in the country, the number two player in the state behind Walker Howard. So now the top two players in your class for 2022 are the top two players in the state of Louisiana. And we've talked plenty about this class in 2021 and how thin they are on linemen 
how much of a boost it was getting your entire starting offensive line back for 2021, which alleviates some of the pressure to sign linemen in the class of 2021. But Ed Ogeron and his staff are already making good there. Remember, you already had Lucas Taylor committed. He's the offensive guard out of Alabama, out of Mobile, four-star. And now you had Campbell, the second-best player in Louisiana, who's a true tackle, and Bo Bordelon out of Newman in New Orleans, who, by the way, is 6'5", 250. And in an interview over the weekend with Garland Gillen of Fox 8 New Orleans, Bordelon said his goal is to get to 275 for his senior year. So you're talking about a high school junior at 6'5", 250. Now, he's not a highly rated prospect. He's a three-star. He's the 68th best offensive lineman in the country. He's ranked number 32 in the state, but he's a legacy. His dad, um, uh, Ben Bordelon, played for LSU in the 90s. And when you just look at Bordelon's frame as a guy that's 6'5", 250, an in-state kid who got his offer four days before he committed, this is a guy that's not going to play around, right? I mean, this is a guy who's a legacy. Uh, he, he said that his sister goes to LSU presently, so they are an LSU family. It, it wouldn't matter who the coach is. He wants to be a Tiger. That's his goal, his dream. And so you have a solid commit there with an in-state prospect at a position that you're going to recruit heavily. So Bo Bordelon got his offer. He committed. LSU certainly betting on the come there with Bo Bordelon with a really good frame, hoping that he continues to develop, improve physically throughout his senior year and then gets to Baton Rouge and uh, hopefully develops into a really good player for the Tigers. But that's now three offensive linemen already committed for the class of 2022. So a couple of big fish in state in the boat, literally, with uh, Campbell being 6'6", 285, and Bordelon being 6'5", 250. A couple of really big physically, literally physically prospects uh, in the class for 2022. Uh, This Wednesday, of course, is National Signing Day for 2021, the original February signing day. And when you look at LSU's class for 2021, we know in the early signing period, LSU already has 20 uh, signees. Nine have enrolled. 11 more have signed their letter of intent. So you're at 20. And remember, you got the hard cap of 25. You got two more commits with Savion Jones and Kimo Makaneoli, the offensive guard out of Florida. So that puts you, if those two uh, sign, that puts you at 22, meaning you have three more spots. So Wednesday, it's worth watching. Does Ed Ogeron and LSU fill those final three spots? Or do they hold them potentially for transfers? A lot of talk about linebackers and offensive linemen in the transfer market. And if not, you could always save that spot for next year, for 2022, and backfill in a very uh, a year in Louisiana where there was a bumper crop in-state, and you can maybe take more in-state kids next year. So uh, we'll certainly be talking a lot of recruiting this week with the Wednesday, uh, this February signing period coming up on Wednesday. Okay, it is the Locked On LSU podcast, your team every day. We're brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the best-tasting protein bar in the world. It is now February, a month past the start of your New Year's resolution. How you doing? Uh, if you're still struggling to get back on track, maybe you're you're really motivated for a couple of weeks and now you've fallen off, but you still want to get right physically, you want to lose that weight, here's a small step you can take that tastes great. Built Bar is great for any health-conscious guy or gal. It's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. It's great for the keto diet. It's gluten-free. They've got 18 flavors. It's soft and chewy, so it really tastes and feels like a candy bar. It doesn't feel like a thick, chalky protein bar that that most of the time hurt your jaw when you're trying to get through. Don't take my word for it. Order yours today at BuiltBar.com, BuiltBar.com. 
Use the promo code Locked On and save 20% off your order at BuiltBar.com. The best tasting protein bar in the world is Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Wednesday will be a big day. We'll preview LSU Bama and hoops, and we'll also be talking about signing day. And then, of course, Thursday we'll recap the LSU Bama game and LSU's signing day, however they managed to finish then. Of course, last year on signing day, LSU reeled in a massive fish. The number one player in the class was Arik Gilbert, who was the number one ranked tight end in the country out of Marietta, Georgia, Gatorade National High School Player of the Year, and also a guy that is the highest rated tight end in the history of 247 sports. Uh, late in the season, as you know, uh, Gilbert opted out. Uh, Ed Ogeron talked about homesickness and his body hurting. I think by now everyone understands that that's a bunch of malarkey. It's not really what was going on with, with Gilbert. But the reason Gilbert is relevant again today is because on Sunday, Gilbert committed to Florida. Now, that stings. Uh, if you're an LSU fan, you would have rathered Gilbert gone back home and played for Georgia because LSU doesn't play Georgia. The only way that LSU would ever see Gilbert again is if they met up in the SEC championship game. As it is, you play Florida every year. And with roster leniency, it's very likely that Gilbert is going to get an immediate eligibility waiver and be good to go for Florida this year, which means when the Gators come to Baton Rouge, Gilbert's going to be in the blue and orange for Florida. And it makes a lot of sense for Gilbert, um, just flatly speaking. Uh, if you're Gilbert and you just saw this past year where I, I, Florida had the best tight end in the country, when you're talking about a guy that was, you know, a before he got hurt, a potential Heisman finalist, you know, and and a guy that, uh, you know, and Kyle Pitts, who is likely going to be a, a top 10 overall pick, top tip 15 overall pick, and he's gone, you're Dan Mullen, you can go to Gilbert and say, look at what we just did with Kyle Pitts. I mean, Pitts is coming off a year where in only part in a partial season, had 43 catches for 770 yards and 12 touchdowns. All-American, first-round draft pick, like, we can do that with you game one. So if you're if you're Avery Gilbert, it just makes a ton of sense. Certainly there could have been a pull at home to Georgia with JT Daniels returning, but realistically, Georgia has to sell Gilbert that their offense is going to be materially different. Mullen can say, look at what we do with the tight end, and there's an immediate opportunity. So to that end, it makes sense, but I do want to address something as well because – I've heard from so many LSU fans, and the unfortunate part is it's coming from nobody credible. And I'll go back to the point that I made several weeks ago when you had bloggers and podcasters, air quotes, breaking the news that Marcus Freeman was going to be LSU's defensive coordinator. Didn't happen. And I told you then, if it's not coming from someone whose job it is, who pays their mortgage and feeds their family covering a program, they don't have credibility. Then a couple of weeks later, you start to hear these rumors about Elias Ricks, and I told you the same damn thing again then. If you don't hear it from someone credible whose job it is to cultivate relationships and sources within the program to get information, then ignore it. Ask yourself this question. What is that blogger, that podcaster, that random guy, what does he or she have to lose if they're wrong? And the answer is nothing. What does... A, a credible reporter, if it's Brooks Cabina or Brody Miller 
or Steve Schneider, Jacques Doucet, Michael Cobble, go down the list of people that make their living covering this team. What do they have to lose if they're wrong on a story like this? Tons. Their credibility. So if you're not getting it from someone credible, ignore it. And you've not heard anybody credible, anybody who covers this team, say definitively that Eric Gilbert was going to get popped for synthetic weed, and so that's why I transferred. You hear, a lot, you hear that a lot. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it because you, you hear that a lot from internet goofballs. And I'm not saying that wasn't part of what was going on, but the reality is what really has hap- happened with Eric Gilbert is a situation that maybe in time may fully be disclosed, maybe. But I'll tell you this much, as a parent, and I am a dad, as a parent, if what happened with Gilbert happened with my son, there's no way they continue at that place. No way. So I don't blame Gilbert's family for wanting him out of Baton Rouge. Not in the least. This is going to be hard to understand for fans because you don't know the full story, and here I am not giving you the full story, but it's not my place to disclose those personal matters, and I'm not going to. But what I do know is there's a reason that the credible people who cover this team haven't latched on to the story that the that the the bloggers and the podcast and the anonymous people on social media are running with. So keep that in mind. As for the tight end position at LSU in 2021, of course, you just signed Jalen Shedd out of Mississippi. You returned Cole Taylor. And, of course, Nick Storrs is not going back to baseball. He will be full-time football. I'll remind you, Aaron Moffitt returns as well for LSU. Uh, he was injured in the spring with a knee injury, missed all of this past season. But I saw Aaron a few weeks ago at the, the Catholic and Bird State Championship game. And, um, and he's healthy and ready to go. So I'm not telling you Aaron Moffitt's going to be a big threat in the passing game. But if you need that physical body that can be attached to the line, that can block, that can give you those snaps, similar to, to a role Torrey Carter played, Moffitt's bigger and more athletic than Carter and can certainly fill that role and give you some depth there. So another body, another name to consider there at the tight end spot in 2021 for the football Tigers. All right, y'all, it's going to do it for us. Our Monday shows are brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. We hope to see you back here tomorrow. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the Locked on LSU podcast. Your team every day.